We will be in the book of Numbers, book of Numbers, chapter 12, so near the beginning of the Bible. Man, thankful for what uh, God has already blessed us with. What a what an awesome God we serve. So thankful for that. So thankful for his blessings, his mercy. Uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 12, is where we'll be. Uh, and I tell you what, God is so good to us, isn't he? He just... Uh, he outdoes himself over and over again, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, I'm glad he knows who we are. I'm glad he loves us. I'm glad he cares about us. And like we saw this morning, uh, his word is true. I'm telling you what, uh, if you look around and you are seeing what's going on with our society, with our world, why don't you just uh, take some time later today, read the second half. Uh, of Romans chapter 1 or just read the whole chapter and see the progression to where we've gotten today and then realize one more time that the Bible is true, isn't it? The Bible, I am telling you what, this world is trying so hard to prove the Bible wrong and a lot of them are trying to prove the Bible wrong with their life. Let me tell you right now, it is impossible to do that. God's word will be true because God is true no matter what the circumstance. And, and I'm thankful for that because I don't know about you. I am uh, this Bible. I am holding on to some promises in this Bible uh, for eternity. And I it, it, it is true. And I'm telling you what, thank God it's true because I, I want to see Jesus and I want to be with him forever. And if it was up to me, in my opinion, uh, I wouldn't have a whole lot of faith in that. But aren't you glad this Bible says uh, if you are a child of God, if you're saved by Jesus Christ, I love where it says we'll never be apart with him. Amen. But anyway, that's different. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 says this, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye, uh, come out ye three unto the ta tabernacle, the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all mine house? With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, uh, then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to open it up, open up our hearts, our minds today. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would touch us. And Lord, help us to see your word. And Lord, if there's any lost, I pray that they'd come to know you. Any backsliders would find healing. Uh, and Lord, that as Christians, we would draw closer to you. Lord, we love you. We're just asking for a complete victory today. Help me to get out of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. Verse 1, Miriam 
and Aaron, uh, they are having a conversation and they're complaining. And that is the, here is the, uh, the, the problem of the passage right here. They're complaining about Moses and we see because of the Ethiopian woman that he had married. That's what they're complaining about. We don't know for sure exactly what about her they didn't like, but I'm guessing because Ethiopian is uh, mentioned twice in verse 1, uh, I'm thinking the problem is just because she's an Ethiopian woman. I think that's the problem. Her skin color would have been darker than the rest of them, uh, but that's all the Bible has on that matter. But look at verse 2. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. So they weren't just mad at Moses, of whom he decided to marry. They were mad about that. But you see that now they're complaining about Moses himself. Is the Lord really only speaking to Moses? That's what they're saying. Hasn't he also spoken to us too? Aren't we? Uh, and, and so Miriam and Aaron, if you didn't know this, they're Moses' older brother and sister. So they're older than Moses is. They're all family. Uh, God is using them together uh, to lead the children of Israel, remember, out of the uh, land of Egypt in bondage and into the promised land. That was God, what God called them for. And now they're accusing Moses of all almost being a dictator, right? That's what they're saying. Uh, is, is really God only speaking to him? What about us, right? Don't, aren't we important? Don't we deserve to lead? Uh, you know, you can see in what they're saying. They're frustrated. They're angry. Uh, and then there's some pride in there too. Uh, does Moses think that God only speaks to him, right? Is he the only one that gets a word from God? And here's the thing. Both Miriam and Aaron had received words from the Lord in the past. They had, you know, they, they were kind of like prophets themselves, but now they're jealous of Moses. Now they're tearing Moses down, uh, and, and this is what we see. Here is the problem of the entire chapter. And if you didn't know this, Moses was struggling leading the children of Israel. It was a hard job. I don't remember how many, if there was one, two million, but there was a huge number that came out of Egypt and he had to lead all of them. And do you remember what the children of Israel did all the time? They murmured and complained. If they didn't have enough water, they murmured, complained, and blamed Moses, right? Oh, they blame God, but really they take it out on Moses. They didn't have enough food, they blame Moses. So in the previous chapter, chapter 11, they're complaining that all we have is manna. Right? God's given us man. I remember last time we complained and God fed us every day. Now we're mad about that. You know what they're saying? Remember back when we were in Egypt? We had the melons, the cucumbers, the leeks, the onions. We had all this great food. And now all we have is manna. Right? That's all we have. They're remembering their time back in Egypt. And remember, this is what the devil does over and over again. He'll remind you of your previous life, but he'll take two or three little things out of it and say, don't you miss that life? Well, the devil, what the devil uh, conveniently left out of all of that is, do you remember when you were in Egypt, you were in bondage, you were a slave, you had no freedom. They were making you make bricks without straw. They were doing all of these things. And I'll tell you what, he'll try to glorify your life in sin before you were saved today, but do you, you remember what it was really like when you were lost? No hope, right? No, no peace in your heart. Uh, worried that if you died, you would split hell wide open because that's what would have happened. But they were murmuring and complaining and everything else. 
And instead of complaining, you know what the Moses did? He prays to the Lord. And I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but near the end of the prayer in chapter 11, verse 14, Moses says this to the Lord. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight and let me not see my wretchedness. This is a man of God that God called to lead the people out of Egypt is now telling God, if you love me, God, take me out of this life. That's what he's saying. Take my life. I don't want to see any more of this. And do you see what he's saying? I don't want to see myself leading these people the wrong way. He's saying, obviously, I have not been able to do it. They're rebelling against me over and over again. The problem is with myself. And you're thinking, my goodness. Chapter 11 really tells us what type of man Moses really was. Because a lot of us would have said, they're the ones with the problem. I don't have any problem. Lord, strike them all dead. But instead, Moses is saying, Lord, just take me out of this. If I'm failing you, Lord, just take me out. Put another man in my place. If you love me, uh, because I'm doing no good. So what we see is Moses is depressed, right? I don't know how more deep you can get in depression than asking God to take your own life. Take my life, Lord. You've heard me say this before, right? As a Christian, we spiritualize it, right? We don't say, I, uh, I want to kill myself. We say, Lord, take me home. But he was in deep depression. He was. He was a man of God. He was in a dark place. And at that time is where chapter 12 is, right? He's in a dark place, Moses is. And his brother and sister are about to challenge his leadership. Do you see what's happening? So we're reading this story, and by the way, this story is about uh, 3,500 years ago, and Miriam and Aaron are complaining, and here's the thing, we're reading it today, and we sometimes we don't stop and think about this, we think, well, this was a public conversation, no, it was a private one. They're just talking amongst themselves. They're complaining amongst themselves, but look at the end of verse 2, and the Lord heard it. Right? They're talking amongst themselves. They're mad at their brother Moses. They're frustrated. They're taking it out on his wife first, but really they're jealous. Really they, they're filled up with pride and they want to challenge his leadership. And the Lord heard every word of it. Why? Because he even knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. So before we even, our mouth even says the word, the Lord already knows what's in our heart. Right. He knows it. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36? But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Jesus said that, right? Every idle word. God hears everything. You know what else? God cares about what we say. God cares about the language that we use, even in private. And here's the thing. I believe Miriam and Aaron, maybe not that day, but if this would have continued, they would have confronted Moses, right? They would have taken it to the next level. Uh, they would have maybe stirred up people against Moses or went to Moses himself and accused him of being prideful and everything else. And God cared about it. And here's the thing. 
I believe that even though in the Bible it says, like Jesus said, that we're going to give an account for every uh, idle word that we speak, I believe that the Bible uh, is written for today as well. And it just, uh, everything that talks about speech and the tongue and words and everything applies just as much to what we say as what we type. Amen? Amen. What you put on social media, what you text, uh, everything else, God cares about it, and he knows what we're saying. And I believe this, call me crazy, we're going to give an account for every idle word that we type as well. Ooh, 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 uh-oh. Do you know what that means? That means God's keeping a record of it, right? If we're going to give an account, he's keeping a record of it. Now I want you to imagine this, all right? You stand before Jesus Christ one day, and we all will. Now, imagine he pulls up the records that you would find in your phone behind your password and everything else, right? Imagine he pulls that up, not just what's public on Facebook and everything else. Now, imagine you having to give an account for that, what you've made public. Imagine having to give an account for what's not public on everything else, your DM. Your Snapchat, your everything else. I believe we will. I believe the Bible uh, is just as real for today, and we are not—we're uh, not going to escape by just not saying it, but writing it. It's the same. Can you imagine how embarrassed you'd be? Now, say, say we uh, got the projector up, and say we uh, got your conversations, and we threw it up in front of the church. You'd be embarrassed. Now imagine standing before the creator God that died for your sins. How much more embarrassed are you going to be? We've got to be careful what we type, what we say. Amen. Records are being kept. Verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Now here's the thing. Moses was depressed. And maybe people around him might not have even known about it because he's just talking him and God in the chapter before. But here's the thing. They were, they were uh, saying, Miriam and Aaron were saying that Moses is full of pride. And the Bible says right here in verse 3, he was not. Yeah. He was meek. And in fact, I believe from the previous chapter, Moses saw himself as a failure. He said, I'm a failure. He's meek. He's hurting, and he doesn't even realize it, that his own brother and sister, uh, they don't even realize that he had just asked the Lord to take his life, and here's the truth about it. Leadership is hard. Amen? It's hard. We don't know what different ones are going through. We don't know everything about it, but we need to be praying for leaders, whether, whether it's pastors or those in charge at work or government or school or anything. We need to pray for them, especially godly men and women. Because who knows what in the secret. I'm telling you what, some people are so close to giving up, but you look at them and on the outside you cannot see it. We need to pray for them instead of gossiping about them. Amen. Then you look at verses 4 through 8. The Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three uh, out into the tabernacle of the congregation. They came out. Uh, he came out. They came forth. Verse 6, And he said, Hear now the words, If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. And then he talks about Moses being faithful. Uh, in verse 7, verse 8, I will With him will I speak mouth to mouth. And what they're saying is they're saying, Hey, uh, number one, the Lord did not waste any time. He did not let 
that fester. He stopped it right then and there. He spoke suddenly unto them, calls them out. And here's the thing. The Lord doesn't even talk about Moses' wife. Because I don't think that was the big issue. I think verse 2 was the problem that they had. And he says, hey, the Lord tells Miriam and Aaron, he says, listen, when there are prophets, I'm going to speak to them in visions and dreams. But Moses has a special relationship with me. We are talking mouth to mouth. That's what he's saying. I, we have a unique relationship. We have a personal relationship. And by the way, verse 7, he is faithful in all mine house. Yes, he has a lot of authority. Yes, he has a special privilege. But I'll tell you why he's got it. Because he's faithful. And here's the thing. I run into a lot of people. They want, whether it's at work or whether it's in the church or anything, they want a big position. They want uh, a lot of authority. They want, they want all this stuff. But they can't be faithful in the small things. Amen. I'm here to tell you, the Lord will not give you uh, a huge, if you're a preacher, he's not going to give you a huge church if you're not faithful in the things leading up to that. Right. He won't. He won't. And verse 8, wherefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You have no fear at all just dragging him down with your words. The Lord is saying you are the closest to him. Your family with him. You see what he's going through. The hurt. Maybe he's hiding some of it. But you can tell he's leading the children of Israel. And you of all people should know that he has a special relationship with me. And here's the thing. This isn't God because, I, you know, the TV preacher loves this passage and says, or, or the prof, so-called prophet or whatever else loves it and says, you should never question leadership. Right? That's what they're saying. That's what he's saying. You should never question anything that a leader says. That's not what this passage is saying. What God is saying is you know you're wrong. Yeah. You are lying and you're lying because of their pride. That's what he's saying. You are jealous of him. You're envious of him. You're filled with pride. And instead of dealing with that sin, you're taking it out on the righteous man. Yeah. Haven't we seen that ourselves? Sometimes we've been that ourselves. It's not that we should never question leadership. He's saying you're lying about Moses. And it's you doing this and your pride driving it. And he's thinking, do you have no fear of the Lord that you're just going to freely do this to one of God's faithful servants that is so close to teetering on the edge of giving up. Yeah. Hmm. And that's why you've got verse 9. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. So as suddenly as the Lord came and showed up and called them out and spoke with them, and he gave judgment, he left. There was no argument Right? There was no Miriam and Aaron, uh, and Aaron arguing with him. Nobody else spoke. The Lord called them out. The judgment began. The Lord said they're guilty. And then that was it. Mm. Mm. I think some people have these giant plans as if they're a, a lawyer on TV. And they've got this giant uh, argument that they're going to use against God and everything else. And guess what? Yeah, some people are going to say, didn't we do this and that in your name and blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you what, your argument is worth nothing. Right. Nothing against the God that knows your heart and knows your he designed you. He created you. He knows everything about you. He knows what you've done. You have no argument against them. Look at verse 10. 
and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. As soon as the Lord left, she was struck with leprosy. And leprosy in the Bible is always a picture of sin. It is a great picture. That disease starts with the inside and then works its way on the outside. It starts working on the nerves uh, is how it starts. And then all of a sudden you've got a small sore. You've got a, a something. And, and what happened, uh, it was very contagious in those days. It would shorten the people's lives. It would disfigure their skin. And here's the problem. It would make it so their nerves would stop working on their extremities. And what happens? That nerves, those nerves are what tell you, you touch something hot, you know what that nerve does? Makes you pull your hand back. Right. Well, when that's not there, you'll keep your hand on something hot, not even realizing it. And then as you start to injure yourself, uh, and then the things get infected, and then they lose fingers, they lose toes, they lose different things. They had to have things amputated, or they'd fall off, or whatever. And in Israel, that person would have been isolated. So it was a death sentence. So you think about it. This is a disease that starts on the inside and visibly, works its way on the outside, and starts to disfigure, shortens life, and it is a, a death sentence, Right? That's sin. Yeah. It starts out on the inside, and then it works its way on the outside. You see people that live a life of sin, how rough they look, and how it's taking years off their body. And not only that, they're making choices that they think are, are, are great and fun that God says not to do. And the reason God said not to do it is because it will hurt you. Right. And then it ends up shorting their life. And what is it? It's a death sentence. Yeah. The wages of sin is death. So this is what's happening with her. And in that day, there was no cure for leprosy. Only God could cure it. But in the story, what are we seeing right here? We're seeing an immediate judgment. And then right after the immediate judgment is an immediate punishment. Right? That's what we're seeing in this chapter. Miriam and Aaron talked about Moses in private. The Lord heard it. He called them out. He judged them. He struck Miriam with leprosy. Just like that. All those things happened. You know what today we live in? The Bible, you know, we call it a lot of times through the Bible, the age of grace. Have you heard that before? You know what that means? Judgment is delayed. Right? When you sin against God, he doesn't call you out, drag you to the church, right? Come down and tell you what you've done wrong and strike you. He doesn't do that today, right? We can sin and we don't get this immediate reaction from God, do we? We're in a period of delayed judgment. But let me tell you something today. God still feels the same way about sin. If you're going to do what Miriam and Aaron did and gossip about somebody and lie about them because of your pride, the Lord hears that too. He's keeping a record of it. And just because he's not calling you out on it today doesn't mean you'll never be called out on it. I know it's not popular, but we're going to be judged one day. Amen? Amen? Maybe not today, but one day we will stand in judgment. The Lord sees sin. He hears these sins. He's still angry about it. And judgment will come later. Well, when? When's the judgment come? Well, Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, 
the judgment. Do you know when our judgment happens? After we die. After we die. That's when the judgment occurs. All of the records are kept. Uh, God knows everything that we've done. And, and, and we don't have to guess at how Jesus is going to judge. We don't have to guess. Is he a lenient judge? Is he a hard judge? Is he going to go with this? Is he going to go with that? Uh, like today's judges. No, we know uh, his standard before we stand before him. We can tell what his rules are. We can tell what he's going to follow. And that's his word. This is what will determine whether we're innocent or guilty. It's his word. Amen. He's not playing favorites. He's not changing his mind. That's how he will judge. But here's the thing. You can realize through God's word today that you're guilty by God's standards. Because we all are. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know what's great about a delayed judgment? Is although you're not being judged today... You can find mercy today. Yes. Amen? Amen? We don't have a delayed mercy. You can get mercy right now that will change the way your judgment is later. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. If we lived in a Numbers chapter 12 time, you would have to be perfect at all times. Or you'd be judged just like that. We don't live in a time like that. You can come to Jesus right now and immediately get forgiveness and immediately get forgiveness. Praise God. Romans 10, 9. You've probably heard me say it a million times that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. I'm glad Jesus died for our sins before we even knew we needed a savior before we even knew we were a sinner. Uh, he died for them so that we can judge ourselves today through God's word, realize that we've fallen short we'll never work our way to heaven we'll never do enough good we have uh, gone against him and the wages of sin is death so that way we can hear the gospel we can be touched by the holy spirit we can desire to repent which means i'm sorry for the life i'm living now and i want a new life and we can come to jesus christ believing that he died and rose again and we can pray to him and ask him to forgive us of our sins we can find mercy today and our judgment will be different later. Amen. Praise God for that. So if he knows your every thought. And he's keeping track of every idle word that you've ever spoken. You've sinned against God. Will you just stop right there? You've sinned against God. And just like Miriam and Aaron, if you die in your sins, you'll stand before God one day. You'll stand before Jesus. He'll find you guilty. And if he does... The next thing is he's throwing you in the lake of fire for eternity. That's the punishment. But here's the thing. Later on, the Lord's going to forgive Miriam and Aaron. He's going to take away that punishment and forgive them. And let me tell you, we're serving the same God today. Amen. Oh, you're not going to immediately be struck with leprosy, but you're just as much as a dead person as Miriam was walking around. You just didn't realize it. Oh, they could see it outwardly. But all God was doing is revealing what was inside of their hearts outwardly. That was it. You're dead. You're walking around. You look like you're alive, but you're dead. So we see several things in this passage, in this chapter. But you may be a Moses today. Right? You realize the Bible's real. has real people in it. People that... 
Oh, oh, we think of Moses. He was a great man, a great leader. He was. God calls him faithful right in this passage. But he was struggling just a few verses before. And if he would have heard this, he would have struggled even more. But guess what? He felt like he was, he was in depression and you may be there today or maybe you're on the brink and you feel like quitting and you feel like everything you've ever done for the Lord's a failure. I'll tell you what, uh, you have a wayward child and you'll think that everything you've ever done raising that child was a failure too even though it's the child making that choice for themselves. And I'm here to tell you maybe you are like Moses. Uh, I'm glad uh, that there's uh, uh, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Do you realize while Miriam and Aaron were running him down, uh, adding more to Moses' grief and his thoughts of failure and everything else. Do you realize Moses was standing there listening to what God was telling them? He was standing there, but guess what? Moses never said a word. He didn't say a word. He didn't have to. The Lord stopped this before it went any further because he knew Moses couldn't take any more of it. And he stopped it right then and there. Praise God he stopped it for Moses, but praise God he stopped it for Miriam and Aaron as well. They would have kept going, and they would have regretted everything they'd ever done. But aren't you glad that the first time Moses speaks is in verse 13. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. This is the type of man Moses was. He was genuine. He was loving. He was caring. And even when his own brother and sister were running him down before the Lord, he's interceding for them. Heal her. Forgive her, Lord. Be merciful to her. And I thought, my goodness. I believe the same God that helped Moses that day is available to help you. And I think what helped is the chapter before. Moses was serious with himself. He said, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm a failure. Just take me. Let, take my life. I can't go any further. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you just need to pray one more time to the Lord. Because who knows? Jeremiah was depressed, asked for his life. Elijah was depressed. He asked God to take his life. Great men of God. Moses, depression's real. Hurting is real. Frustration's real. And I don't know if you're getting ready to give up. Don't you give up today. Amen. Turn back to the Lord. Amen. You don't have to fight against those that are going against you. You let the Lord handle that. Yes. You let the Lord give you peace. You let the Lord give you strength. And he will every time. But you know what amazes me? You've heard me say, you know, the Bible is very concise. It doesn't give us every detail. It doesn't tell us every day of everyone's life. But it, do you realize the Bible spent 16 verses dealing with a story of a conversation in private among two people? The Bible's telling us something right there. It could have said in one verse this story or two. But God spent 16 verses saying we've got to be careful of what we say. Because guess what? The thing you say could be the thing that makes that person that's already contemplating quitting quit. Some of you have heard the story. When I started playing the piano, 
very first time I played that Sunday night, I knew one song, didn't know it very well, wasn't the greatest piano player, got near the halfway through the chorus, messed up, hit the wrong note. I could not jump back in like I do today. So I had to stop and sit there and wait until the beginning of the next one. Singing when, we're all, when We All Get to Heaven, four verses. Second verse, got to the same exact spot, hit the same exact wrong note. Verse three, now people are looking at me. They know it's coming, and I'm getting redder and redder. Verse four, I wish I could tell you I played it perfectly. Got to the exact same spot, hit the same wrong note, had to sit there. Humiliated. Humiliated. This was the first time I'd ever played the piano. Somebody told me you got to take that music and throw it away. And I wish I could tell you that didn't hurt. And I wish I could tell you I wasn't already frustrated. But I was. But praise God, someone else came after that and said, Mike, don't you quit. Amen. Don't you quit. But I'm not saying that story to make me sound good. I think the reason the Lord has reminded me of that story over and over again is he's saying, don't you be the one that makes the comment. Right. You know how much it hurts you. You don't know how much it's going to hurt that person. Oh, yeah. That person had no idea the spot I was in. Right. They were just, they had always uh, played by ear. They didn't use music. They didn't mean music. So they're kind of telling me, I think they were trying to say the same thing. Why don't you quit trying to play music and just learn to play by ear? But it stung. But it hurt. And I'm here to tell you, with our mouths, we can really hurt each other. But what we need to do, even in private, is we need to catch ourselves and say, you know what? Lord, help that person. I know they're struggling right now. Help that person. Instead of me running them down, Lord, help them to be a better leader. Help them to do better at what they're doing. Lord, I know that they have a wayward child. I can hear their prayer requests. I know that's weighing on them. Lord, help them. That's what we need to do. Because we've come too far to quit. And I wish I could tell you I never wanted to quit. There's been many times. But you know what I had to do every time? Is I had to go back to the beginning and say, Lord... Whatever it is, whether it's pastoring, whatever, Lord, you called me to do this. And Lord, I can't do this on my own. And I don't want to do this. And I feel like a failure. But Lord, with you, I can go another step. Is that you today? I'm not saying that's me today, but it's been me before. It's been me before. Is that you today? Why don't you let us pray with you today, encourage you today, and let's pray to God that we get these tongues back in order. We'll never be perfect. And I'll tell you what, some of us need to delete some apps, right? Some of us need to step away from the keyboard because all it's doing is tearing people down. And the Lord says, I'm keeping track of it. And one day you'll stand before me and answer for it. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. He'll save you. He'll forgive you.
But I'll tell you what, there's some damage that's been done. 